Thank you, choir, for such a fun song. That was, that was a lot of fun to listen to, and I know it had to be difficult because it was a very high song, <laughs> but uh, you, you can take a, a little rest now and, and rest your voices and get ready for our hymn of response at the end. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time of study today. Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for uh, this Lord's Day and the time that we have to rest in you, the time that we have to listen and sing and to be refreshed by the words that we sing and the words that we pray, the word that is preached. Lord, as we do come to this time of preaching, Lord, I pray that you would give me strength, that you would give me clarity, that I might speak what is true and right, and that you, these, your people, might be built up and encouraged and that they might leave this place changed and ready to serve you in their daily lives. Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to us through your word now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 15 through 21 as we consider uh, a topic that is, uh, to me, to be honest with you, I've, I've dreaded preaching on this topic since, we, uh, since I purposed to preach through this series on worship at the beginning of the year. And I'll explain why that is as, I, as we get into this. But uh, we are going to look at, or we've been looking at, the how of worship. And the different ways that we worship God, both in our personal lives, in our family lives, and in, as a congregation here at Antioch West Baptist Church. And we've come to uh, this way that we worship, that, it, that takes up 30 minutes of our, our worship service every Every week, which is worshiping through singing, and like I said, I've I've kind of dreaded preaching on this because singing, is, at least in our culture, is a very subjective thing. Everybody has a preference when it comes to music. There are close to sixty people here, right around sixty people here today, and I guarantee you there are sixty different opinions about music in this sanctuary right now. Some of us like country music, some of us like rock and roll, some of us like classical music. I don't know if there's anybody in here that likes classical music, but some of us do. And, and we all have our preferences. My children have preferences about their music, particularly Eden. Eden is very particular in her music, and she cannot stand my music. And, she, uh, and I do, I'll be honest with you, I run songs in the ground. I listen to a particular genre of music. I like a band called Mumford and Sons, and I wear their album out. And so whenever Eden gets into the truck with me to go somewhere and, and Mumford and Sons comes on, there's this, this loud sigh from the back seat. Oh, Mumford and Sons again. And so uh, she is very open and and frank about her music choices, and she will let you know right out of the gate what she wants to hear. And we have to, the boys will tell you, if Eden's in the truck, we have to listen to what Eden wants to listen to, because if it's not what she wants to listen to, she will make it known. But we all have our preferences of music, and we prefer what we listen to on the radio, and we prefer what we listen to and hear, or what we sing in our worship services on Sunday morning. 
everyone has an opinion. And, and today, it, it's even worse because if you have a smartphone, you can tailor your music app or your Pandora or your Spotify to play only the genre of music that you want or, or what genre of music your mood depends on. And you can listen to exactly what you want and thumbs up or thumbs down what you don't want to listen to. In the same way, Christians have come to even pick their own churches based on the, mu- the type of music that is offered in the worship service. And so because of this subjectivity, we might be tempted to think that music and singing in church just really doesn't matter. You know, because everyone has their own opinion, really, it doesn't really matter what we sing or what we, the style of music that we have. And some churches have even taken that attitude so far as to minimize the song service and to maybe just do a couple of hymns and, and minimize the number of stanzas and, and don't really make that much of a, of a fuss about the songs so that we basically song services are really viewed as a build up to the main event. They're just to get you ready for the sermon. That's really all it's about. But music still matters. It still matters in our society and it still matters to us as a church, whether it's with respect to our patriotism or our love for another person or our worship of God, some things just cannot be said. Some things have to be sung. And singing is always directed towards the things in which we have delight. Singing always reflects what we delight in. Singing always reflects our inmost desires. So I think one of the reasons we prefer certain music over others is we feel like that music, that style, that band reflects best how we feel. And the reason we get pretty particular about what we sing in worship is because we feel like certain songs reflect how we feel about God better. What we sing about The music we choose reflects our inmost desires. When I was, uh, well, up until last year, I had the opportunity and the honor of working with my dad in the company that he started back in 1987. And and he is semi-retired now, which basically means he doesn't come into work most of the time. But he, he, up until last year, he, every day, you could judge my dad's mood based on one measurement. You see, my dad can't carry a tune in a bucket. He can't sing worth a flip. You don't want him to try a solo. You don't want him to be in your choir. But my dad can whistle with perfect pitch. It's strange. He can't sing at all. He can't pick out the notes, but he can whistle perfectly. And so every day you could judge my dad's mood when he came into the office based on whether he came in whistling his favorite hymn or not. If my dad came in whistling uh, How Great Thou Art or, or um, any other of his favorite hymns, you knew it was going to be a good day. You could go talk to daddy. It wouldn't be that much of a problem. If he didn't come in whistling, though, you better tiptoe past his door because it was not a good day for my dad and it might not be a good day for you as a result. So because singing is a reflection of where we find our delight, and because we should set our delight on God, 
we need to understand why and how we worship through singing. So this morning, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, as we seek to understand the why and the how of worshiping through song. So let's read together Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. God's Word says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we need to start in understanding how we worship through song. We need to start by asking, why should we sing as an act of worship? I mean, if you've ever thought about it, it is kind of strange. Uh, If you were to think of how a lost person or someone who had never been exposed to church would come in to a worship service and see us singing these songs about blood and sacrifice and uh, uh, walking in a garden and all of these things, we think about how strange that would look. It, It is kind of strange that every week we all get together and just sing a bunch of songs. So why should we sing as an act of worship? Well, Paul gives us two reasons in this passage that we just read. First, we should sing because the Bible commands it. In verse 15, Paul says that he starts this section out by calling the Ephesian Christians to walk in godly wisdom. And one of the practical ways that Paul gives as to how we can walk in godly wisdom is that we should address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So simply, simply put, we should sing because God commands us to do so in order that we would walk with Him. Singing is one of the ways that we walk with God. So the Bible is full of commands to sing. Uh, In in doing my research for this sermon today, uh, I looked at the book of Psalms and how many times the book of Psalms commands us to sing to the Lord. And there are over 40 direct commands to sing to the Lord in the book of Psalms. Not only are there direct commands to sing... But we also find plenty of examples of singing in the Bible. So if you read the Bible from beginning to end, you'll find that the Bible is full of singing. In Job chapter 38 verse 7, it says that at the beginning of creation, the angels sang. In Exodus chapter 15, after God has led Israel through the waters of the Red Sea and the waters have, have collapsed back on the armies of Egypt that are chasing after them, and the first thing that Moses does after he gets to the other side of the Red Sea is he leads the people in a song. In, um, in the book of Psalms, the, the, the largest book in the Bible, 
150 chapters and and the largest book by far in all of the Bible, that book itself is a book of songs. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, Jesus sings at the conclusion of the Last Supper. And in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, at the end of the age, when God judges the world, all of the redeemed from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue will all gather together and sing praises to the Son of God. So second, we should sing because the Bible commands it, and second, we should sing because the blessings of God demand it. In verse 20, Paul says that we should sing as a way to give thanks to the Father through Christ. So our congregational singing should flow from grateful hearts. When we sing in the car, when nobody else is around, we should sing from grateful hearts. We should sing because we are grateful to God for what He has done for us. And there are two reasons that I could find in Scripture for why we should sing and why we should be grateful to God. First of all, we should be grateful to God for His goodness. Psalm chapter 13 verse 6 says, I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Brothers and sisters, God has been good to us. Even in a year of pandemic, even in a year when we have lost our privileges, we have been unable to fellowship together, when we have been unable to do the things that we enjoy, even in a year like this past year, God has been good to us. It is a sad thing that oftentimes when we hit hard times, when we have a trial that we face, we tend to judge the whole of our lives by that one single trial. Rather than looking back over the spectrum of our lives and seeing that time and time again, God has been good to us. God has been good to us in that He has created us. We do not have to exist. But God has given us the life that we have. He has made us and He has made us for His glory. And we should be grateful for the fact that God has created us. Second, God has sustained us. The reason that you are breathing right now, the reason that your body is animated and that the sun is shining and the rain is falling and whatever circumstances there are in your life, the reason that that thing exists and you exist now in this time and place is because God has sustained you. God has provided for our needs. So everything that we have, the wealth that we have, the, the, the food that we have on our table, the shelter that we enjoy, the clothes that we are wearing, ultimately they come by God's good grace and gift in our life. And God has given us relationships. The joys of love and family and fellowship and friends, all of that comes because of God's good great, uh, gift in our life. And lastly, God has given us purpose. Because God has created us with gifts and talents and He has made us for a purpose, we should be grateful to God. Second, we should be grateful to God for His grace. Psalm 96 verse 2 says, Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation from day to day. 
God's great salvation that He has accomplished for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, ought to fill our hearts to the point that we cannot help but sing praise and sing for joy. You know, it's disturbing to me that if you were to turn on the radio today, and it, it to me it's a sad sign of our culture and how uh, backwards our culture is, that if you were to turn on the radio today and listen to pop music, all you would hear about is the sensual aspect of love. That's the only thing we have to sing about anymore. In times past, we could sing about our family, we could sing about our country, we could sing about our God, we could sing about uh, the na- nature, we could sing about all these different things, but right now we are so obsessed with this one aspect of life that that's all we know to sing about. And we can't write a song about anything else. Now, and what it tells me is that's really the God we worship. But for we who are Christians, there is something greater that we have to sing about. And it's sad that when you listen to these songs uh, on, on the radio today, they, they beg for an answer to good questions. A lot of songs on the radio, they beg for the answer to the meaning of life. They beg for the answer to how their relationships can be reconciled. They beg for the answer of how they can find meaning and purpose. But they don't have an answer. But we do. We have an answer because Jesus Christ has redeemed us by His blood and given us a new life through His resurrection. And that ought to make us sing. For joy. Now that we've seen the why and why we should work, why we should sing, let's understand how we should sing as an act of worship. In verse 19, Paul gives four aspects of congregational singing that I want you to notice. First, Paul says that we should sing to each other. Now, there's a common misconception that's floating around these days that says that we sing to an audience of one. When we sing as a congregation, there's one, one member of the audience and that's God. And that we're all performing to sing to God. Now, uh, in other words, we, we believe, or this belief says that the only reason we sing is so that we might praise God. Now, certainly, we should direct our singing to God and we should seek to praise Him. But according to Paul right here, that's not the only reason we sing. We should also sing that we might address one another. Paul says much the same thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, and there he says that we should teach and admonish one another with singing. So uh, Mike Cosper, the, uh, a pastor that is a famous writer, he tells the story of a good uh, of going to church one Sunday, and he was under this burden of guilt. And he sat down and he began to try to sing the song "How Deep the Father's Love for Us," and he couldn't bring himself to sing it because he was just absorbed with the guilt of the sin he had been dealing with. And then this unknown man comes and he sits next to him and he just begins to belt out the second verse of how deep the Father's love for us, which says this. It says, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. 
I know that it is finished. And Mike Cosper said that the man did not sing very well at all. But in that moment, it was not the words on the page, but the testimony of the voice next to me that spoke to my soul. So if this is the direction of our singing, then what should we sing about? Paul answers that by saying that we should sing, that we should make melody in our hearts to the Lord. So we are addressing one another with something particular. We are addressing one another with the gospel. What we should sing about is we should sing about the Lord, to the Lord, and for the Lord. So our music and our lyrics should be focused on the triune God. We should sing about the works of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We should sing about what Christ has done for us. We should sing about the great creation that God has brought about. We should sing about the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And this is an important, there's an important side note that I want to point out. Um, you know, I've, I've made this point to our worship uh, team, to the folks that help to lead worship here. And I want you to understand why we do something that we do especially on Special Emphasis Sundays. Because I believe very strongly that our congregational singing should be directed to the Lord and that we should only sing about the Lord, I do not believe that it is appropriate to sing about anything else in our worship services. As a church, we can be tempted, especially on these Special Emphasis Sundays like Mother's Day and Father's Day and July 4th and and other holidays that we have, we can be tempted to sing about other things. But whether it's a song about mothers or fathers or our country or our, our, our inmost struggles or whatever it might be, if the song is directed at anything other than the Lord, we should not sing it in worship. Now, that's uh, that comes up in another way, because we have a whole um, industry in our current Christian culture that is uh, developed around popular Christian music. And there are popular Christian songs on the radio every day that are really good and meaningful, and they speak to a, a, a deep need in our hearts. But that doesn't necessarily mean that those songs are acceptable for a worship service. Those songs may speak to you in your time of need and they may speak about an important subject, but that doesn't mean that we should use them in our worship. There is a difference between popular Christian music and worship music. And we have to be careful about how we sing in our worship services. So the next question we might want to ask is, how should we sing? What type of music should we use? What format is appropriate? So Paul tells the Ephesians to address one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So Paul gives three different types of songs in this this passage to express both variety and consistency in our singing. So this list has caused no small debate among Christians in our days. Some conservative churches say, well, because Paul was very specific about these three types of songs, 
then we shouldn't do any other type of song. So, uh, for example, certain, certain denominations only allow you to sing psalms in their worship services. Other denominations don't want you to play any music in their worship services. And then other denominations, like more liberal denominations, they say, well, because Paul gives us this great range of variety of different types of songs, then that means anything goes. And so, as I actually experienced in one worship service, they played Margaritaville for the, for the prelude. And, and you're like, I think that's probably outside of the bounds of what Paul means for worship. But I think the intention Paul has in this list is to say two things. First of all, we should use every musical format available to us to praise God. So the word psalms there were quite literally just that. They were chapters of the book of Psalms set to music. And by the way, just as a side note, the Greek word psalmo that's used there means a song with a musical instrument. So for those who would say that, that, that would use this passage to say that we can't have music in church are just reading it wrong because the word psalm means a song with music. The word hymn there were early Christian chants that had developed by the time of Paul's letter. And the word spiritual songs refer to secular songs that had been adapted to Christian worship. Much like many of our hymns, and you may not know this, but many of our hymns that we sing today are set to the saloon music of the 19th century. They actually took saloon music and put Christian words to it. So the point is that every variety of music and style of song should be used to glorify God. The music that we use in our worship should reflect the culture of those who make up the church. So um, one of the common things that is done in churches today is we say, well, we need to do the songs that we sing and the music that we play ought to be appealing to the culture outside. And so when people come into the church, if they're unbelievers, then, then we need to do kind of a rock concert to make people feel accepted and feel comfortable in the church. But my point in saying that we should use every variety of music in the church is not to say that we should appeal to the people outside the church with our music, but rather we should use the gifts and the talents and the, and the culture uh, that we are in to bring glory to God. So let me give you an example. If you and I were to go on a mission trip to India, and we had the opportunity to go and sit down in a church service in India, do you think they would sing the songs that we sing? No, they wouldn't play the instruments we play. They wouldn't do, carry out the same types of music that we have. They would sing and sound very differently. But it's still worship, right? Because they are bringing glory to God with the gifts and talents and the genres and the culture that they are in. In the same respect, we should use the gifts and the talents and the culture that we are in to bring glory to God. So if we have gifted pianists and organists, which we do, then we should use their gifts to bring glory to God. If we have a gifted guitarist or violinist, we should use their gifts to bring glory to God as well. What is important 
is that the style and the content should be focused on the worship of Christ. The words of the songs, regardless of the format, should be glorifying to Him. And finally, what should be our attitude as we sing in worship? Paul says that we should make melody with all our heart. So Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, some of y'all cling to that verse. That's your life verse when it comes to singing, right? Because you can't sing worth a flip. You're like my dad. You can't carry a tune in a bucket. So you hold on to the noise aspect of that verse and say, praise God, I can make a joyful noise. And here's a little word of encouragement to you. The word, the Hebrew word for noise right there means literally to cry out or to wail. So God bless you. Do your best. Um, <laughs> but... We, the point is that regardless of how we sound, worshipful singing is to be the cry of a grateful heart that delights in God. When we sing, regardless of how we sound, regardless of whether we sound good or not, regardless of whether we can sing or not, we should sing out of gratefulness for what God has done. The concern is not so much over the quality of the sound, but over the quality of the heart. So brothers and sisters, may we sing for joy because the Lord has been good and gracious to us. May we come ready to sing on Sunday and may we leave with a song in our hearts that testifies to our true delight in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word which directs us to sing praises to You as a way that we walk after You. Father, I pray that we would sing faithfully to one another as we seek to edify each other in the words that we sing. And Father, I pray that we would live in a way that shows forth the song that is in our heart, that we show a, a grateful heart to those who come in contact with us, that we show a heart that is glad for the goodness of God and the graciousness of God. Father, I pray that we would sing for joy, even now as we come to this time of response. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.